Welcome to episode 320 of the AMPM podcast. This week, I'm speaking with my good buddy, Norm Farrar. Norm and I have known each other for about uh, six years now, almost, in the Amazon space. We like to have cigars every time we meet up at an event. It's like one of our traditions, and we just uh, kick it and just share stories. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to be sharing some cool stories. You're going to find out a little bit more about Norm if you already know him that you didn't know. And we're going to share a few cool little tactics on some things that can make a huge difference in your business, especially when it comes to packaging. So enjoy this episode. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Norm Farrar. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. How are you doing? Kevin King, glad to be here. You and I have known each other for a day or two, I guess. Uh, actually, since what was it, 2017, that we first uh, crossed paths? I don't think we really got to know each other, but we crossed paths. It, it was a head bob. It was, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was in Cancun at the Helium 10. Uh, back then it was called Illuminati, which it's now called Helium 10 Elite. But back yep. then it was called Helium uh, 10 Illuminati, and it was the, the mastermind, the, the very first one that uh, Manny, Guillermo, and I, and Mark put together in uh, Cancun. I think it was, what, May of 2017. It was awesome. That event was one of the best events I've ever been to, but that's where we met. And you just, you just, you were like the last guy, I think, to buy a ticket. It was like a $10,000 price tag uh, back then. It's hard to get that kind of money these days, but back then, that's what people were charging for these high-level events. But I think you were like over in Spain or somewhere at some other event and someone told you yep. about this one and like last minute you yep. changed your plans and like flew over and bought the very last ticket or something like that. Is that, is that right? I was in Mallorca um, at a, an amazing event and uh, uh, somebody told me about it. I got on my computer and uh, I booked a ticket and uh, you guys charged me full price. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, there's a sucker born every day, you know? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> uh, now, so at that event, I think uh, there's quite a few people. At, uh, what do we have, about 60, 70 people, I think, at that event? Oh, yeah. And really, it was solid. It was rock solid. Like The people that we met there, and, and, you know, we always talk about why we love going to events. Elena, Todd, Todd Snively, uh, uh, Joe Valley, like everybody that I'm in contact, I'm still in contact with probably at least 50% of the people that were there. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's true. There's a lot of business relationships and business deals and partnerships that actually came out of that. I think you, you right. even created a mastermind with someone that was, 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 were they at that one or was it the next one in Hawaii where you met? No, I met uh, Dave Kettner there, ended up in a mastermind with him for, for uh, about two years. Yeah, you did the uh, AMZ and Beyond, I think it was, or something that's like it. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that's that's why these events are, uh, you know, sometimes people are like, why, man, it's too expensive to go. But when you get the right people in the right room that are at that same level, you know, you don't got the, the new people that are just starting out or the people that aren't so serious. If you're going to spend that kind of money, because it's not just the ticket price, it's the travel and the hotel and uh, I think actually we included the hotel in, in that one. 
Um, Probably not my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was an all-inclusive. I, I think you actually got the hotel. I think we included that. Yeah, um, you did. And, and hotel and food. Uh, but yeah, so you meet people at that level that are serious. You know, anybody that's going to spend that kind of money is serious about their business, serious about expanding it. So it's it's always there's, there's just so much value in that. But before we get into that, uh, let's let's just tell the people that don't know who you are. What's your background in this econ? I mean, you've been, you know, I've sat around and had cigars with you and we, we've talked for hours, you know, at different events, just hanging out. That's one of our favorite things to do is Norm and I will go to some event and we always find a way to sneak off and, and either it's just the two of us uh, shooting the shit or sometimes other people join us and we, we sit there sometimes till three, four in the morning, just uh, smoking cigars and having a, a Coke Zero and just talking life and business and whatever comes up. And that's one of my favorite things. Uh, every time I, I, I see you is like, I know it's going to be a great night. Uh, you know, it's just good company. We always do have a good time, don't we? <laughs> so I know a lot of the story of it. You've been basically an entrepreneur since you could, since you were in diapers. And every time yeah. we sit there and talk about this stuff, there's always like, oh, I know this guy, or I used to do this. I'm like, holy cow, you've had more life experiences and done more stuff than almost anybody out there, when it, whether it comes to personal or business. So just give us the uh, the short the short backstory for everybody that may not know uh, where did Norm come from and what's 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 his actually story to get to this point. Okay, so one of the things to get to this point was a little bit of business experience. So I I got out of college, I dropped out, and uh, in my last semester, I dropped out my last semester, really stupid, but I had a business idea. That's how stupid I am. But uh, anyways, uh, my buddy and I started a promotions business. This is going to sound like it's going to be a long So you're like 21, not, 22 years old, something like that. Yeah, maybe not even that. So uh, we, well, actually to go through college, I started a business. It was a video business and the government, a government agency picked us up. So I paid most of my way through college through this, uh, through this video production company. Then after that, uh, I got into business with a really good guy, and we started this promotions company. And the typical, this is where research really helps, but the typical promotions company uh, at the time was a two-person operation making $300,000, 23% gross margin. We figured out how to do this. We went to bigger companies. We figured out that people will pay more. Just It's perceived value. I always talk about perceived value. So we package the products. We put a t-shirt in a poly bag. The poly bag would have our name on it. We'd remove the liner or we'd add our label inside. Everything costs a bit. Well, just to explain, just willing- to stop you for a second, to explain yeah. what a promotions company is for the people, it's just so they can follow. A promotions company is basically someone comes to you and says, we want a bunch of pens, or we want a bunch of hats yep. or a bunch of jackets or a bunch of coffee mugs with our logo or our design or something. And you facilitate that process. Is, is that correct? Exactly. Okay. So we didn't want to be that two-person operation. So we ended up saying, what can we do to be better than everybody else? We didn't want to live with 23% gross margins. So we ended up starting with becoming vertically integrated. We bought a screening company. We bought an embroidery company. We bought a courier company. And we uh, ended up going into a fulfill, well, the fulfillment business. So how did you do that? It, how did you do that at such a young age? Did, did you have access to capital, or did you work deals? Or no, you know what happened? It was a deal. Our customers knew that we were customer service eccentric. Okay, we would do anything for our customers. 
So this started with Hershey's. And if my buddy Dave, my partner at the time, is listening, he got the ball rolling. We went over uh, with to Hershey's. And uh, they wanted to, we got in, they liked us, we tag teamed. So his personality, my personality, you know, we worked off of each other and uh, they liked us. So they were going to give us an order for some product, but it was 15 grand. We didn't have it. So we got them to pay COD or to, to give us the payment in advance. So we got that. We could pay everything. We went to our next order and to our next order. Anyways, we ended up getting a ton of Fortune 500 companies. But what we did is we reinvested in boxes, quality, like really nice corrugated boxes, um, uh, tape that had our name on it. We had fragile things. So if it was popped, that don't don't open the, the box. Anything came to us. Like if, if, if you receive my Lunch with Norm mugs, right, um, it, you saw how they are packaged. Mm -hmm. You know, it's top quality. So we ended up spending a little bit extra. But because of that, we were one of the fastest growing industries here in Canada at the time. And in six months, we went from zero to two and a half million bucks. And we were at about 45% gross margins. Like we killed it. So things were going really great. And one of the bigger Fortune Fives here um, was my client. And we were trying to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is how this started. This is how this whole e-com started. Because e-com wasn't really around back then. So when well, was this like the 80s or something? This was in late, uh, no, this was in about 1995-ish, Okay, I, I think. So... I knew about the internet. It was BB, uh, BBB, their bulletin board yeah, boards, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. uh, CompuServe was around AOL. Yeah. So um, anyways, World Wide Web wasn't really a big thing. I ended up getting a contract for this one Fortune 500 company to sell products uh, to 20 of their locations around North America. And I was sitting, uh, I, I flew into San Jose one day. This is crazy. So... I flew into San Jose. Everybody was really in a pissy mood. And so it just happened that the VP of purchasing uh, was, uh, was in from Calgary. So we went out for lunch. I said, what the hell is going on with these people? Everybody's so pissy. Usually it's pretty, you know, they're, everybody's you know, pretty nice. He says, the bloody non-contracted suppliers, we can't pay them for 180 to 240 days. And the problem is they're thinking they're going to get paid 30, 60, 90 days. And I went, well, I'd be pissed off if, you know, you're stringing me out for 240 days. I got paid 30 days. So during the conversation, this is at lunch. At the end of lunch, I said, how about if I take on those payments? And he looked and I said, I'll be your non-purchasing contract. Uh, I'll be your purchasing department for non-contracted people. You pay me 30 days. You give me five points. And I'll pay them in 90 days. Two weeks later, for this huge Fortune 500 company, I became their non-contracted or their purchasing department for non-contracted suppliers. And I was buying... I remember for the Masters, I bought $250,000 worth of tickets. I bought, it was crazy. So anyways, how does this affect e-com? The same Fortune 500 company comes back to me and says, we want to 
create this uh, this thing on the World Wide Web uh, where our dealers can get our logo on a pen or a mug. Um, can you do something like that? I said, yeah, no problem. I had no idea. I really, I didn't have any idea about e-com, but I knew that the people I were paying in India did. So because they were happy with us turning around the payments in 90 days and not 240, guess who became our allies? And we asked them if they could help us. We, we did this e-com site and it worked. And all of a sudden, other companies were, were hitting us up. I ended up uh, with, our company ended up with a probably one of the first five print-on-demand companies uh, in the world. So people would want a, a logo. Uh, we would we would say, all right, you can have a logo. You can have your logo uh, in 48 hours up to three weeks. And we, again, because of these uh, Indian contacts, we were outsourcing to India for $60 for a, a logo to be turned around in 24. And we were turning around. It was $3,000 if you wanted it in a 48-hour time period, and it went it down to 395 bucks if it was three weeks. So just leveraging this. So at the end of the day, one thing I learned, and this is Richard Branson, if an opportunity ever comes your way, it, you know, when, when, if somebody says you can do something and you can't, just nod and say you can. And, figure, you know, that's something... Later. And I'll yeah. figure it out. That's exactly it. And that's, I, I, that's not an exact quote, but th that's something I've lived with. And I, I've been involved with a lot of different companies because of that. You know, opportunities are always there. They're always there. And so what, did you exit that company and sell out? Or what ended up happening with that company? Oh, it's a bad story. So this is a, I've had a lot of successes. I've had a lot of failures. What ended up here and one thing I'll never do again is because it was such a massive, massive company, right? And we put, and we were with all these other Fortune 500, but nothing to this huge uh, contract that we had with this one company. They went under. I don't have to mention the names. They went under, leaving us out. Like I had to pay off all sorts of suppliers. Like we just we went under. We went from at the very top to the very bottom within a few months. It was horrible. Wow. I had uh, uh, just our staff, like we had 23 people, 23 salespeople that were involved with the company. You know, you're trying to make payroll. You're trying to do everything. It was horrible. But, um, and that I was 28. That's how old I was when it finally ended up hitting the fan. So, Going from millions. 28 with like a newborn or, or at that time. Uh, yeah, well, that, that, yeah, with a newborn and finding out the day coming out of the hospital that you have to declare bankruptcy. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Something you, you don't want. Yeah, it was horrible. Now, a lot of people would stop at that point. You know, a lot of people that are given, trying to be an entrepreneur or trying to get their freedom, when something bad like that happens and you end up having to pay out your own pocket. They're like, okay, forget this. I'm just going to go back to a, a day job and, and just uh, make sure that I'm, you know, comfortable and, and safe and my family is protected, but, but not you. You're like, what, what happened next? Oh, okay. So let me see. There's a few things that have happened. So uh, 
I, oh, okay. So I got into business again. We started to finance the business with uh, a buddy's credit card because I couldn't have credit for seven years. And that business went well. Uh, we continued to do business. Uh, it, it was cutting edge business. Like this one, um, we had, I, I told you this on the cruise, but we had this PDF file that came up. It was a, more of a tech incubator. And it was a PDF that I think even to this day would protect music rights. And we had it where if you had a music, a song in there, it was digitally embedded where if you did forward it or if you did try to copy it, um, you could trace it back. So it pretty much wiped out pirating. Well, a little bit before its time. All the, uh, if you think of people walking onto screens, like you see this all the time on uh, the internet now, but we were creating, uh, we created this, uh, this product where people would come onto screens like, you know, a uh, shack, like the Miami Heat, uh, before the season started, uh, Shaq and Dwayne Wade at the time would come on and they, if they won a game, they would say something. If they lost a game, they would say something. We didn't know what the outcome would be, but they would trash talk or they would do whatever. And entertainers um, would, would come on and they would talk about their music schedule, seeing you at a certain, you know, at a certain time. Uh, we had all sorts of people using this new technology. And then uh, my buddy in this other business, um, NetEvents, uh, we ended up creating this uh, sidebar, we called it. And to this day, I've never seen anything like it. Um, we worked, we had a couple of Microsoft contracts. So we had three Microsoft consulting contracts at the time. Now, one of them was to work with uh, uh, Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer directly when they were doing their keynotes. We were doing the audio visual for them. Uh, we were also uh, Microsoft's uh, educational arm when it came to, um, like the internet was still not a big thing. So they're off online products. So when, when we travel around Ontario or Canada with all these computers teaching people uh, all the Microsoft products, like all of them. Mm. And uh, then the, the, the last thing was this, uh, this thing that we developed called the sidebar. And you could use this with Internet Explorer where all your information of whatever you were a fan, it was all fan-based. So uh, one of the people that uh, we were working with at the time was Alan Iverson. The other one, uh, there was another with the, uh, it was Randy Moss. Uh, it was a test with Randy. And then Friends. And what it did is, let's say uh, Alan Iverson at the time went to um, the Olympics and he wanted to communicate. There would be a streaming board that would come across talking about uh, Iverson. If it was uh, Philadelphia was playing, it would. If you couldn't watch the game, it could flash the uh, score up. Uh, we wanted it where we could get the rights to do it on your TV or on uh, on your computer, but we would have all this information there that a true fan would want, including a merchandising arm. So with the with Randy Moss, like let's say it was the well, it was the Raiders, and this was all this was test, but you're watching the during a game, you could click on Randy Moss's jersey and it would take you to the merchandiser, the outlet, and you could buy it online. This is 19, this is in the 90s still. In the wow. 90s. 
And uh, so with friends, like the, we took that and we did the same thing. They're, you know, a we, TV show we, friends. Yeah. And so like Chandler, if he was wearing a cardigan, you could go there. If there was a, if there was a vase that was on the desk, we could, you know, click on that and you could buy it. Uh, you know, you could go to LL Bean and buy, it was all done. It's, it was all, uh, you click and you purchase. This was all set to go and nothing ever happened with it. So it was, it was, uh, it's really cool. Lots of, we had, um, at the time, we had this incredible email that is still to this day. It was like a mini website that when you got your, your email, it was a graphic. It was a lightweight graphic that would open up. And for we did it for so many companies. But uh, you would open up and like this, we couldn't get this to, to go. But we were working with Ford and we were trying to see um, with the Mustang. They had a really great video and we were trying to work with it and embed it at the time, but we were having problems with delivery. But you name, like there were so many companies that were working with this and you got it. It would either be a thank you email or it would be a, a benefits email or a promo e email. But it was very, it was beautifully laid out, lightweight and easy to deliver. Wow. And so, I mean, so you've, you did a lot in technology. You did a lot uh, around the Internet. And you, but you've yeah. also done several businesses that have nothing to do with the internet or technology. You owned like a, a few retail type of things at one point, uh, and then like a didn't you own like a recovery center at one point in Hawaii as well? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I did that uh, before I got into that. Uh, my dad saw what I was doing in India, and he uh, he approached me and he said, "Hey, how would you like to?" Uh, you know, get into some manufacturing, some contract manufacturing. Um, we, we noticed that like nobody was going over uh, to China or to Taiwan. We were in Taiwan and we ended up selling to American companies. Uh, they would save about 30%. We would save about 70%. And it was really interesting how this all happened. But anyways, it was my mom trying to find some, um, my mom, you know those little, I know your wife will know this, the, the EVA foam uh, wedges that you use to put on wake, makeup? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh -huh. My mom brought, brought them home and she was saying, you guys should sell these things. What are you talking about? And she goes, they always turn yellow. Can they not just be white? I, I don't like yellow foam. And my dad this, he's a super entrepreneur. Like he is mega entrepreneur. And he looked at it and he, he, he researched it. He ended up creating this massive uh, machine foam, like EVA machine in the U S hiring a chemist. And I don't know, within months we were, we had this um, patent, this white foam. We were also doing some other things, but it was a lot cheaper to do some of these other EVA products overseas. So we ended up uh, with a factory. Now, technically, we didn't own the factory. We had a husband and wife team that ran it, but we owned two factories. My brother did something very, it, it, it was brilliant. We were selling a really thin foam. And by the way, we owned 60% of the market when my dad was finished with this, with the EVA. So we were in Eckert's, Walmart, you name it. And we were doing all the private label for them. And then... Um, we, we got into this wood handled stamp company, thin EVA, uh, 
It was worth like half a penny. And my brother asked the guy, hey, uh, can we do this rubber stamp for you? Like, can we do the rubber vulcanization or the wood, you know, wood handle stamp? And the guy said, yeah, I mean, send me some prices. We sent, saved this guy 30 points. We set up to uh, get the wood handle stamps done, all, all a variety, like back when stencils were being done and like all these arts and crafts. Turns out that almost overnight, we became the world's largest wood handle stamp manufacturer because we found a wood in Taiwan that would match maple here. And we went from a half a penny to packaging these wood handle stamps. And then we ended up looking, because with a wood handle stamp, what, what makes sense, the next move? It's an ink pad. Yeah. So we ended up buying uh, an ink pad or a plastic uh, company over there. And they ended up, they had a contract with Yves Saint Laurent, Chanel. So we we're making all the makeup containers. So that was just, it was, it was just kind of, it was a byproduct. I mean, and because of the wood handle stamps, all of a sudden we were selling, oh, I don't even know how many of these ink pads, but they went hand in hand. And didn't it, didn't your father, something evolve out of that too, where you guys became one of the biggest manufacturers of uh, wipes, like disinfecting wipes in the world? Yeah. Well, it, it was, uh, my, we came up with a patent for cleaning. Like if you've got a New York City subway was using them, hotels were using them. We had the contract for almost every gambling like slot machine where you had to clean but to clean it effectively, it was a flat surface, these cards that were people using, alcohol swabs. And he made this card called a waffle card, which um, caught more dirt. So if you're using a swipe machine, like a Visa machine, or any type of swipe, it gets dirty. So you have to clean it. Your, you know, your hotel room, everything, you have to clean it. So, yeah, that that was, uh, that was something that uh, was was very successful and it was fun because we even had three slot machines in the back of the factory where you can go and play if you wanted <laughs> didn't win anything it's like my dad you know i almost got paid what came out of that slot machine is what my dad paid me i mean squat <laughs> i mean you've done a lot of different businesses how did you pivot into this whole amazon um shopify walmart type of of stuff when 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 was that when when did you discover that? And how did you get involved? Did you, did you launch a couple of private label brands? You take a couple of things your family was doing and, and move them into that? Or how did that begin? Yeah. Uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, he, uh, he's a pretty smart guy. Uh, he was into SEO, said, hey, you want to um, check out uh, this thing called AMA? And so I looked at it and I thought, I don't want to get involved with this. But he comes back and he says, look, they're having this thing in Vegas. You got to come with me. Uh, you know, let's just get a room together and uh, see what they have to say. This is like 2012, 2011, 2012? Uh, 2013, I think. 2013. Uh, so we ended up going to this thing. And um, I, I'm going, wow, this could be cool. I know about marketing. I know about packaging. I have my, like, the fulfillment center. Uh, one of the things that came out of uh doing all the private label uh, for other companies is we had specialty packa packaging machines uh, back in Auburn, in Auburn, Maine. And so I had everything that I needed, including the knowledge for advertising. So I'm thinking this is great. During this time, 
I hear this, uh, this guy talking about he's a deer in the, the headlights and he wished he could just specialize in what he did. He was a doctor. So uh, I overheard him say, if I could only beat the SMP. And I, I just said, I can do that. And I, I took a product. He didn't know what it was. I went and sourced it because we, you know, we were in China now, or we were in Taiwan, but we, we, we've sourced in China. I was sourcing in China back in the 90s with our promo company. But anyways, uh, I gave him 10 products to choose from, and he picked two completely different products. We went with both of them, and uh, that's how my Amazon uh, optimization started. I started with their product first, got into my product, and, you know, my brands started to take off. I'm in a few different brands. I still have my brands. And, yeah, so there was my Amazon business starting back around 2013-ish. Actually, at that conference, your partner is where I, is where I met your partner, Steve Simonson. We were outside at a taxi stand, Riz and I. And this guy comes up and goes, mind if I share a ride with you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no problem. So anyways, uh, that's where we met Steve. And he blew us away. We thought we were pretty good with e-com. And he goes, goes, yeah, I'm not really selling that much on Amazon right now. He goes, "Uh, but I do remember my first sale. It was, you know, I couldn't wait. It was exciting. He goes, then I remember when we got to $1,000 a month. Oh. $10,000 a month, $100,000 a month. I go, you know, all right. He goes, but I was with my wife. I guess it was in Europe. He goes, and I had my first million dollar day. I went, what? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know who the heck he was. Now we've become good friends, you know, and uh, your partner. Yeah, he's partner uh, of mine in uh, Product Savants. Uh, Yep. Yeah, yeah. But you never know who you're going to meet. No, you you never know. Uh, And he's very unassuming. You'd never think... You just some aw shucks kind of guy, and uh, but but when he speaks and he's definitely been around the block and got a lot of experience. Super smart guy, uh, yeah, and uh, um, very good businessman. So that you so you started selling some of your own stuff, which some of which you're still selling today. But then yep. you also I remember you pivoted in there where you made some partnerships, and I think one of these actually came out of the uh, the Helium Ten Elite. Well, back then Illuminati, the the Hawaii event. There was a guy from India. I believe that came up that was at that event and you guys ended up partnering and you, you started doing stuff for other people, you know, basically account management. People would come to you yep. and say, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can you run my PPC? Can you help me with the inventory? Can you help me with the sourcing? And so you had quite a few clients that, uh, and you guys developed some really cool systems and some really cool spreadsheets to manage these. And, you know, I think at one point you told me it was like six figures of profit a month. Or something like it was, that. It was, it, it was like crazy, was crazy money, crazy, just yeah. crazy, just like printing money, uh, doing yeah. this and helping these people. And so you did that for a while, but then something happened where these aggregators started buying up uh, the companies. And well, yeah, but that's uh, so that partnership it lasted about a year. Brendan Young was involved with that too, okay. so it was uh, the three of us. But um, didn't didn't last too long. Um, it's just one of those things that didn't work out. But I went on doing my uh, my management service, and like you said, we it, it went really well. There was uh, some good times for uh, a while, uh, and you know the clients all got uh, 
it went both ways. It was a win-win. So we provided value and, and uh, we enjoyed these clients. And we grew some of these clients, uh, eight-figure clients. You know, some of them came to us with nothing and, and we grew them. Problem was, uh, the business model was flawed. I didn't think about this. I think about it now. And that was aggregators. We had no bloody idea. And I say we. I had no bloody idea. And I couldn't see that if we grew this, that all of a sudden, our client base would be gone, evaporated in very short period of time. And I'm sitting there going, I'm watching my profit revenue, like my revenue just decrease. It was nothing. You know, I ended up from like, I think out of six uh, clients, I ended up, I'm talking bigger clients. I ended up with one client and now you have to scramble. So I know I took about two weeks to sit down and go, okay, how do I position the company so it can uh, continue? And we still like, I still like working with, uh, with companies. I really like growing companies. Uh, how could I do it? And figured out a way. And I also figured out a way uh, that if I'm growing a company that, and I'll tell you a story. Uh, I took a company that was losing money at $10 million, brought them up to over 16 million in a year and a half. And at the end of the day, uh, when they sold, I thought, Oh, I'm going to get my piece. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make some money. And I got like, uh, you know, just pocket change. Yeah. And it was almost like, oh, man, I, there, was, there was definitely kinks in the armor. So I went back. I went to an attorney. I tried to figure this out. I went to some friends that were fairly good businessmen. And I said, what, are, you know, what can I do to protect myself? So there, now it's, you know, there's uh, the onboarding fees are still there. Uh, it's performance-based, so everything's cool. But if we're building a brand, I'm talking about building a brand, then we said, okay, we want a piece, a percentage on exit. That's all. We just want to be treated fairly. And uh, so we're back. We're doing that. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going down an omni-channel version of what I'm doing now. So it's is this very the, uh, Is this the, uh, the soap company that you're doing? No, the, the soap company is one of my, my brands. But no, this is a, a company called Dragonfish. So I, I used to have a company called AMZ, AMZ.club. But it was too Amazon-centric. And the way things are going over the last year, I said, we got to change the name because everybody thinks as soon as they talk about you, it's Amazon. So we just took this generic name and uh, we tell people now if they contact us that we're not only Amazon. In, in fact, Amazon's one of the things, but we're talking about um, Walmart, uh, the, the the Shopify experience, uh especially retail. People have forgot about retail. And so we try to manage their brands, grow their brands through those, usually those four different brand, uh, channels. And one of the things you mentioned it earlier, and I know it's one of your hallmarks of what you do, and you're similar to me in this way, but a lot of people, it's just something that they just don't understand or don't want to put the effort or the money into, but it's differentiation with packaging. And yeah. you're, you're huge on that. Um, and I think I think I think it was you that told me a s story about some swords or something like that, where you you did did something and the sword was in one type of box and I'm I'm just making things up here and it was selling for ten bucks, but then you put it in some sort of other type of packaging, 
and you sold the exact same sword for like fifty dollars or something crazy like that. Is, is do, can you tell me? You're, you're almost there. You're almost there. It was a knife. A knife. Um, okay, a knife. Yeah. Cost of goods was sixteen bucks. The client was selling it at forty nine, and I looked at it. it was an ugly clamshell package. It said uh, suggested that we could change this and have an outer box so uh, it kind of looks like an iphone box really clear silhouette on the outside full color process on the outs uh, on the other side so people see what they when they got it they could see what the knife looked like really cool then you opened it up and it was a rigid box with a magnetic clasp when they opened it up it had all the features and the benefits of this full four color process knife right there you didn't see the knife you had to unveil the knife so you opened it up and then you saw the knife and really beautiful. Like uh, the, the logo was in the uh, pivot or the rivet on the, uh, and it was also in the, uh, on the blade Changed that. And we were able to go from, uh, we tried different price points, but we went to from 99 to 124. Exact same, same knife. knife. Nothing changed. Exact, on the nothing, nothing, nothing changed. Nothing. And how much did the, and, the extra packaging cost you? three dollars ish not even that so uh i i don't even think it was close to that uh but anyways uh even the 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 we put it into a high density um compression foam like an eva foam so when you got the knife it was it, it looked beautiful and then you popped it open like there was a thumb groove everything went into this like convenience and just psychological things oh you don't have to force your fingers in to get the knife there was a way to pop it out um and then uh the insert went to an extended warranty now this is where we cleaned up i didn't tell you this part we created a 52-week meal plan, and we also created two cookbooks. So if people signed up for the extended warranty, they also got the meal plan, but we would email them. the. And now, this is if they're registered, right? So we would have their email address. If they wanted the, the, uh, the weekly meal plan, we'd send it to them. Now, how did we develop the weekly meal plan? We sent the knives to chefs. And we sent the knives to culinary schools and we asked them for recipes. So they gave hmm. us all these recipes and they kept the knife. They took pictures with the knife and we asked them to tag us on Instagram. We got tons of user generated content. We can't like, thousands of user generated content for people that were giving us 10 photos, 100 photos, giving us photos with food. And we could use that over and over and over again, plus videos. Like some of the videos that we have, beautiful, really well done. I, okay, this is now, we started that a few years back. But as of right now, that same culinary school, guess what they're doing? An Amazon Live cooking show. Hmm. And they're going on, they're using all of their the knives now, like there's a full selection. And we've got it where they've agreed that they're going to broadcast a cooking lesson uh, on through Amazon Live. And during the uh, during the uh, the live, we're going to be selling the, the product. But just going back to that knife for a second. So then went back and this is where talking to a manufacturer um, really helps out. So we went back and we said, what can we do differently that kind of keeps in the same price point? He said, well, hammer, hammer the, the knife. 
okay. So they showed us these hammered knives and the exact same knife is a Damascus steel. One's hammered, one is layered and uh, same price point. Okay. Let's get a wood case and let's get like the satin finish and let's make it look even better than the other one. Package it in a black box, etch it with like a, uh, like a premium, whatever the addition was. And it, it, it stood out gorgeous. All right. So it was it, the, the wooden, I know this for a fact, it was $3 and 50 ish cents packaged with the wooden case. That $16 knife was introduced at 224 bucks. Wow. Yeah. That's the, that's the power of branding and packaging that so many people just completely overlook. I know I've given stories about my bully sticks and about some of the stuff I've done in other, other podcasts and other presentations, but it, people eat with their eyes first. Uh, and not just, I'm not just saying that just because it's a knife, but in anything. And you, you, you can connotate value by ramping up your presentation and, and, and your packaging. And, and also good packaging makes people feel like they made the right decision. You know, they get that knife in a blister pack and like, okay, this is a cool knife, but they, it comes in this nice I, Apple, you know, iPhone type of box with the, the little wedges, like you said, to, for the fingers to pull it out. It just, they just re, reconfirms in their mind when they get it, like, I made the right decision. This is cool. Uh, right. and, and they're more likely to give you a good review. They're more likely or less likely to give you a bad review, even if the knife, uh, you know, was dull or, or whatever. Um, it, it's, it's so, so important to do that. And I know you, you like on, on your podcast, I mean, I'm not your, your it's a podcast, but it's also a, a live that you do three times a week. I don't know how you do that. Uh, <laughs> the, the lunch with Norm every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you haven't checked that out, just Google lunch with Norm or it's got a YouTube channel and uh, it turns into a podcast, but you bring in on guests every Every single day, uh, you know, I've been yeah. on it a few times, but you've got a, a wide range of guests talking about everything from branding to PPC to doing Amazon Lives to getting to Shopify to, to just to setting up systems. How, how did that come about, that lunch with Norm? What, what made you decide to do that? Well, first of all, the diversity is because you don't want to be on one-legged stool ever again, right? So right. not just one thing. How that happened, uh, it's going to sound crazy, but... COVID. This is a positive COVID thing. Sitting on my balcony, watching the water. My boys were out there, all three boys, uh, Quentin, Kelsey, and Hayden. We're all, except for Quentin, having a cigar, sitting back, shooting the breeze. And I got a phone call. And one of the calls was, uh, you know, just the person asking for some help. And I said, yeah, yeah, uh, I know this guy. So next phone call came. Yeah, I can get back to you. I know this guy. Third one was, I know this guy. That's how the other podcast happened, like the uh, Amazon, uh, or sorry, the I Know This Guy podcast, which it was short-lived. But my kids said, why don't you get in? Why don't you start a podcast? You know, you have a network. This is how the whole podcast talk started. And it was like, uh, no, guys, I can't do that. You know, I, I, I you know this. I get nervous. I get, like, I have really bad nerves. I'm a lot of the times, like now it's easier because I, I kind of understand where I'm going. But those first days doing the podcast, if something went wrong, I'd be in the fetal position, shaking like, you know, crazy. It was very hard to do. But it was the kids that said, you know, why don't you do it? So we started that I Know the Guy podcast. 
it was Danny McMullen that said, or McMillan that said, you know, uh, we were doing a little bit of content. He said, why don't you turn that into a podcast? So kids, again, let's do it. Let's do it. So at one point during COVID, we had two podcasts going. Uh, one, we stopped, you know, the, mm -hmm. the I Know This Guy podcast, we stopped. Hopefully bring that back. But the Amazon one lived on. And it was all because of the kids. So what, what would you say you've been doing in a couple of years now? What are some of the maybe two or three of the biggest aha moments from guests uh, on that show that you could share with us that, that have someone that came on and just like blew you away. Like, Holy cow, everybody needs to know this. It's constantly happening, Kevin. I and mean, you must get this too. Like one of the benefits of being a podcast host, you don't know everything and people come on and they tell you things. And it's like, what? And that's, that's happening. Like that, that happens all, all the time. Like just something as simple as we had um, Mark Casey on and he said, oh yeah, um, you can, you can uh, put the display. So in your product page, in your product listing, it shows up that you have a newer product available in the display and it shows mm -hmm. the product and you can click on it and you can get extra sales. Like more people will click on that than anything else. I, I just think that's just something recent that I, I found out about. Um, on the influencer side and the live side, there are so many things. I never knew how important it is it, it is to go live with a brand. And I learned that from Maya Gordon. I learned it from uh, Gracie Ryback. I've learned that from all sorts of people about, you know, taking that post. I, you know, from, I talked about posts quite a bit. Well, that's important, you know, and, and people not doing it properly and understanding now how to do it properly. Even when you, when you start taking a look at what's happening right now, sourcing, where do you go? Well, I, I know that most of my products right now are US based. If I'm trying to find a new product and I have uh, got two brands that over the next little while are going to be launched and they are not, um, they're in the US. So that's something that, you know, I've been able to, uh, to take a look at, or at least look at outside of China. What am I experiencing in China? You know, I've heard a horror story, somebody going into China and losing money because of the economy over there and COVID that they lost a ton of money. I heard a story just recently about uh, products sitting and waiting to be shipped. Now, this goes back a few months, but their product got moldy. It was a $40,000 loss. And because of that, uh, the seller tried to go back to the manufacturer and the manufacturer wouldn't give her the 40 grand back. So these are all things that you learn and, okay, how do I prevent that? How do I prevent something like that from happening? Uh, another thing is, and this is uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart, is cash flow and inventory management. My whole inventory strategy right now, so I never run out of stock, never, is, is something that I learned on the podcast. So those are just a few things. So one of the things that on the podcast, you call them the, was it the Beard Nation or the, the Beardos or something? Beardos, Beard Nation. So, yeah. So this was, uh, you know, a lot of people know you from your beard. They've seen you at different events. They've seen your, you know, the animations or, the, or you uh, online. They're like, ah, I know that guy. That's the, that, that's the guy with the, 
the, the beard. But that was a very deliberate marketing choice, right? Because I've seen pictures of you before you got into this e-commerce game. There was no beard. There was no nope. mustache. But uh, did you sit down like in like 2014, 2015 when you decided, hey, I'm going to, I need to get my name out there. I need to establish a brand. And like, how can I stand out? What can I do? Uh, and yep. the, let me grow a, a big beard. Is, is, is there some truth to that? A hundred percent. And it happened. So I knew I wanted to grow a business. And uh, this was before I went to Mallorca. And about, you know, it was about three months before I went over to see you guys, maybe a little bit longer. And I knew I wanted to do something in Amazon to grow a business. And I knew that, I, like, I've gone to some events and I started, uh, like, I tried to I was inquisitive, so I'm emailing some of the speakers saying, hey, I just wanted to get some more information. You were talking about this. Nobody would remember me. Nobody would remember my name. Um, I I was clean shaven. And I was sitting down with a buddy of mine. And in Canada, uh, they it, it's Movember, but it's also during the playoffs in um, for hockey that the hockey players grow a bit of scruff. So... That was one of the things that started this thing going is that, okay, uh, I'm growing a bit of scruff because, you know, it was, the, I, I believe it was the hockey season. But anyways, it might have been just straight November, but uh, I kept it growing. I went over, I was meeting with my buddy, and he was the one that said, oh, that'd be a great brand. And I said, do you think so? Do you think a beard? And he, he said something like, Roy Orbison only had sunglasses. And I said, maybe I could do that. I started growing it. And at the first event, Mallorca, uh, you know, I'd reach out and, and people would uh, know me. When I went to your event, it was like, oh, like the guy with the beard. And that's what we did. We're like, we've got logos made up. We got all this stuff. Uh, any business that I'm involved with, like the podcast or you know, other thing, it's all about the beard. I have the beard guy. I'm known as the beard guy. Now, there's another guy in this space. He was actually at an event that you and I just threw yeah. back in October, the Collective Mind Society event, uh, where we, it's more of an exper Poser. experiential mastermind type of thing that we do. We're doing another one. At F1 uh, in 2023 uh, in Austin in October, we'll you know, you'll be announcing some stuff around that. Uh, but it's a really cool event, uh, and one of the one of the attendees at this event is the other guy that has a beard uh, in this space. And uh, he, he, y'all were chatting, and he's like, "Yeah, sometimes I, I get mixed up for you, or you guys get uh, you know, there's two beard guys, uh, and his name is Abe. He, he manages a lot of PPC accounts and, and stuff, and does a really good job on that." Uh, but yep. um, so, but your beard is, I think, a little more full and, and longer. It, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, if his ever gets starts to catch up, I'm going to come up with uh, one of the clippers and just whoop. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Grow you a mohawk. Yeah, um, there be, we go. Be the, be the mo that mohawk, happened, by the way. The mohawk guy. When I was cooking the burgers, I had a mohawk in my beard, remember? Oh, the yeah. burgers came up, burnt it, and it was Yosemite Sam like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Norma, what, what's what's next for you? What, what's what's the next hot thing that you're working on right now? Well, the money making, you know, where I can live and I can, you know, maybe maybe eat bologna once or twice a week um, is uh, this brand company called Dragonfish, where we're working with 
not only it's not it's it's omni-channel. That's where things are going, not just Amazon, it's omni-channel. So that's one of the things that I'm working on. But uh got a challenge for my kids again uh about uh, influencers. So one of the hard parts uh for Amazon sellers is trying to find influencers, what platforms, how to approach them, uh just you know, just just to try to communicate and to see if you are getting ripped off or not. And the other side of it is a lot of sellers or a lot of people are trying to become influencers. So it ended up, I took a challenge for my kids saying, because I'm not an influencer on the buyer side, I have zero, I literally have zero followers and uh, created this challenge. I'm going on TikTok uh, once a day, giving advice on how, what happened, like good, bad and ugly during the day about uh, getting influencers or being an influencer. And during this process, I've set up uh, a system. I need products. And I just, you know, saying anybody who wants to listen, send me products. I'll go on Amazon Live. I do shoppable videos. I do photography. It's all free. I'm not asking a penny. And um, if something works out, you get a, you, you know, you, you get a purchase. Well, that's where I get 10 point. I get 10%. It's a straight 10%. But I'm also paying for all the ads. So I'm doing this really as an experiment. I could be doing some other things. But you said, like, well, how are you going to make money at it? I'm not going to make money at it. I want to get, I want to, people don't know how competitive I am. And when they say I can't do something, I just want to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get 100,000 followers by December 31st, and it's all going to be organic. I'm not going to buy anything next week or uh, next, not this December 31st, next December 31st. And uh, it's going to be called Lunch with Norm Deals. And that's what I'm doing. And I know you think I'm crazy for doing this, but that's what it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'll be following that uh, that closely for sure. (laughs) Well, Norm, I know we could sit here and talk uh, forever, just like we do when we have a good cigar and uh, our, our Coke Zeros. Uh, but uh, I want to say thanks for taking your time. I know you're really busy. You got a lot of irons in the fire. I appreciate you, you coming on t- to the AMPM podcast. Um, and I'm sure we'll have you back and uh, see how this challenge goes. And, and t- there's a lot more stories to tell uh, because, like I said earlier, every time I'm with you, I'm like, holy cow, this guy has, he knows this person, knows this person, he's done this, he's done this. Uh, like I've told you, you need to write a book, uh, <laughs> you know, and or write some little short little essays for your for your kids. And that's one of the best things. I think I told you this. So one time when we were having cigars with my, my dad sat down. Um, you know, my dad's in his 80s. And a few years ago, he sat down and, and just typed up like these short little paragraphs about stories about his life. Or, you know, how he met my mom. How he, uh, you know, who his first girlfriend was. His, his teacher. You know, his experience, uh, experience in Vietnam. They're all like two or three paragraphs, just like short, mm. straight to the point, little like, like little really short, short stories, but just little nuggets from his life. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating for me to actually go back and, and he gave it to me, you know, five years ago or so. And I read it then. And then I was cleaning some stuff about it when I told you about it, about six months or a year ago and found it again and read it again. And I'm like, this is just amazing to have. And you've got tons of those. Uh, and, um, hopefully we can share them on another podcast um, but uh, don't forget to write some of those down because I know your three boys would love to to have that. That is something. When we were on the cruise, I came back and I said, I got to do that. 
Um, that's some of the best advice uh, I've received, and I plan on doing it. I hope I can come back. You know, I I love talking with you, Kevin, and I really appreciate you having me on the podcast today. Thanks, man, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right. Norm and I could sit here and talk for hours upon hours and just tell stories. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and got something from it, especially uh, the little example he gave there on product packaging and how important that is. It can make a huge difference. I'm a big proponent of that as well. And something that everybody just seems to uh, just skip over or not fully understand the true value of that extra little added cost and that true differentiation. And it's something that can do wonders for, for your business if you really take it seriously. We'll be back again next week with the next episode of the AMPM podcast. I hope you're having a great Q4 and a good holiday season. And before we go, I just want to leave you with this week's words of wisdom. Think about what you want today and you'll be spending your time. Think about what you want in five years and you'll be investing your time. Again, if you think about what you want today, you'll just be spending your time. But if you think about what you want in five years, you'll be investing your time. Have a great Western week.